0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, it's a. Uh It is hot in Burbank today and you know I don't want to bitch but I mean it is April and uh, baseball season just started and and, and it's funny because I was watching the Phillies game and they're playing the Cubs last weekend and they're in Chicago and people are all bundled up and at this point if you go to if if you went to a Dodgers game or an Angels game you'd be sweating your ass off and it's April. I expect baseball it's like tomorrow is I think um, sweater night at the Dodgers game and next week or two two weeks from now is blanket night but when you go and you get those things when it's that hot it's takes away, and it's not bitching because you know. And first of all, I've been parking on the street because since Joanne moved out here, I gave her the spot in the gr- downstairs in the garage. And I've noticed how you forget when you park in a garage for years how hot your car gets. And I don't want to get one of those uh, covers on my car because to me, these people put the covers on a car. One, it's just too much work, and two, the car always looks like unpacked luggage. I always think it looks sort of douchey. So hopefully, we'll get through this heat. It's supposed to be hot again tomorrow. And hopefully, when I go to my first Dodgers game, it won't be a day game this season because if it's too hot, you can just fry. Anyway, enough about that. We have a we have a great uh, guest today, and he's actually wearing a Dodger hat. We have Ethan Emery. How you doing, Ethan? I'm real good, man. How you doing? Good. Now, I, I know I,
1: you, you grew up out here. Yeah, born and raised. Okay, know what you're gonna say. I'm sorry. You're gonna... I have a couple notes about from your intro. First of all, the Phillies. Um, you hate them. I, they've they've crushed my dreams, <laughs> they really have consistently. I think that in in the past five years, there's been two or three years that they have just ruined us in the postseason. So I don't I wouldn't say hate, but uh, I fear them. Well, it's funny there is this uh, there is this hatred I know.
0: now I'm a Phillies fan, but I'm a second on the Dodgers. I'm I'm not one of these people like I bought into part season tickets. Huh? But when the Phillies play the Dodgers, I want to root for the Phillies. But I never want to go to the game. It's different now because the Dodgers fans are very aggressive.
1: Yes. Yeah, we, know that. We, I mean, baseball, I, I hate that about baseball right now, that it's, it's become an aggressive spectator sport. Yeah.
0: It's, it's like you can't take a kid to the game. And it's funny. I mean, I don't have kids, but I remember my uh, my old girlfriend had kids, and, and she had an 11-year-old. And it's like you can't take the kid to the game because, you know, and the seats I bought into were loge. They're not bad. They're I mean, they're right. they're a good section. But honestly, I mean, I, I do a bit I, on stage about this that you go in and it's like you're you're seeing extras from the show Gangland.
1: Well, they, because they're gang colors now, right? Uh, you know, the uh, there's there's the northern and southern gangs of California, and the northern has claimed the Giants, and the southern has claimed the Dodgers, and it, it makes the it makes the Red Sox Yankees rivalry look like. Uh, Kindergarten.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's more violent. It's like me growing up in Philadelphia. You know, everyone says Philadelphia fans, and you know, and Philadelphia fans are obnoxious. But I remember as a kid,
1: Philly is obnoxious in general. Yeah, if you accept that, and it's great. But the people are great, and that's part of the charm.
0: With the fans, you know, I grew up and we'd go to a Cowboys game, and the Eagles. You hate the Cowboys, and our thing was though, you know, we'd be drinking all day, having fun. But if there was like a a, someone with a Cowboys gear, you'd be, "Eh," you know, whatever. But if they had a kid, you backed off, right? Because you know it's the kid hey sorry your dad's an idiot and made you a cowboy fan right but with dodgers fans and it's funny because i mean it's changed now because i went to a game uh last year and it's
1: they've cleaned it up a lot a lot different yeah, yeah. i
0: mean it used to be the one parking you would be afraid to park if you got there late right you have to park all the way back and you go back there it's a it lot like, better it was like what a was the name camp? of the yeah.
1: gentleman that was put in a coma the case is right now and it was a few years ago they beat him up and they put him in a coma oh um oh uh, yeah i know he turned i can't yeah. think but he's yeah. uh Ever since that, they've cleaned it up. Well, it's a just
0: lot. it's sad that it gets to fistfights, and and the thing is, at least like in Philadelphia, the f- fans <laughs> fight each other. I mean, the are just yelling fans. at each other, right? And yeah. it's,
1: it's just sad, especially. I mean, this has you... got nothing to do with the game.
0: Have you always been a Dodger fan?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you
0: know, so you were around like Kerb Gibson hit the home run, and yeah. Now you're yeah. you're younger than me. Were you, were did you get to go see Fernando live, or was that before your time?
1: I I only got to go to one baseball game when I was a kid. Okay, and uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, It was Dodger Bat Day. It was the day they gave out the little blue bats, which they would never do now because people
0: would go ballistic on each other. And
1: I I, I, I do remember that those were the the the, the use of those was threatened. So it was at the birth of that, okay, turning it into something that is connected to MS thirteen. But uh, but yeah, I went to one Dodger game when I was young uh, in the late eighties, and I couldn't tell you who what the team was consisting of at the time. Um, But... Uh, it's always been, that's the only sport that I watch.
0: Okay, so baseball. that's it. Okay, well, no, You're from the beach. You grew up in Huntington Beach?
1: They, they say that. It, it was actually, said, it's Huntington Park. Which is, that, which is a big difference. Explain to my listeners, because anyone know know okay. the, the
0: difference between Huntington
1: Beach right. and Huntington Park. Huntington Beach is this beautiful seaside, Orange County community where the waves, it, 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 it was part of the, the surfing scenes in Point Break. You know, it, it's just this gorgeous cliffside and, and perfect waves it is california beach the epitome of what you think when you think california beach that's huntington beach i grew up in huntington park (laughs) which is sandwiched in between uh east la and compton it's in the industrial area um it's not far from where the coliseum is right when i so when i was growing up Uh, The the Raiders fans, I remember we had the LA Raiders, and so the uniform of the kids in my neighborhood was a Raiders jersey, uh, long uh, Dickies shorts, Chino shorts, black uh, knee-high socks, and uh, Nike Cortez, you know, with the black and the white swoosh. Like, it was all gangster Raiders fans. Um, That's Huntington park it's a it's a far cry from no it's huntington funny that Beach. they say that it's yeah. like so
0: but yeah. so now when you were a kid uh did you At what age did you know you wanted to get into acting because i know you were a child actor so what, what did you sit there and did you watch something and said i want to do that or what gravitated you to the scene
1: i i couldn't even tell you man i um because growing up in in huntington park uh my 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 folks didn't they didn't send me to to public school um so my mother decided to homeschool my brother, my sister and I, and uh, for a social aspect of my life she got me into gymnastics when I was really young, when I was about four years old I had a lot of energy, she wanted to get that energy out, so I focused a lot of time on gymnastics I was on a travel team, we would travel all around the United States and we always had the summers off and during that during one of those summers she saw a, a play that was having auditions in Pasadena, okay. Babes in Toyland and they needed a kid that could do backflips and, and somersaults so I went to this open call just out of the blue, got the job there was an agent at the theater, you know it was one of those Christmas plays, right a, a, uh, a community, but a, big at the Civic Center and um, there was an agent there, he saw me doing my stuff And from there, it just kind of steamrolled. And I, having grown up in... Side constantly because this was before homeschool was an acceptable no did, yeah, thing.
0: No, no one, no one did it. I mean, no was, one did you it. You didn't hear about that. People like, I imagine back then, people probably like, well, what's wrong with well, what? Wait, their kid has he's right. he's, he's, tr- he's a
1: truant exactly. And There's, we had to do that. We had to stay inside stay until tell right. the, the truant so that they wouldn't they wouldn't wow. they wouldn't take my parents in for neglect. And and, and it's truancy. funny thing is they weren't
0: neglecting. They were just they, just they were sitting there. And it's so funny. Like I grew up where I grew up was a very good school system, and but we we were like I, I still remember watching. uh, Johnny, get your gun in my, uh, senior class, which later was a Metallica video. They showed clips from that movie, but our school was very hip, but now schools, it's like, like, no, they can't read catcher in a Ride, You can't read any of this right, stuff. And they right. sit there and it's like, even like a kid stops a kid from, a takes a razor blade away from a kid this just happened a while ago who was trying to cut himself or threatened to cut himself and threw it away and they suspend the kid because he had a razor blade he's like no I took it from someone it's just like school right, right now yeah. is such crap but back then it must have been different what made your parents decide the school I mean was there did they doubt like the school system or? well yeah
1: growing up in Huntington Park right. the, and okay. they, I couldn't afford to go anywhere else so the, the, uh, you know if I went to public school there I'm sure my, my present would be a lot different my right. history would have oh yeah Definitely changed If you had lived I mean It's it's
0: hate to say Not that But it's just It's different Being you know uh,
1: The path my life Went on Would have gone on Would have been Completely different Um, And I Credit my mom For being able to see that The same with my brother My brother is a really Successful musician Um, He's a songwriter Never would have You know his What she got him involved in Was piano lessons And uh, That never would have happened He never would have Turned into what he turned into, and my little sister, uh, amazing photographer and a writer. She works over at ABC. Our lives would have been completely different because she didn't want us to have to stay in that in that world.
0: Remember, which makes sense. You know? I mean, it's, it's it's smart on her part. So so you do this play, and you said things started rolling. Now now all of a sudden you do this play. Did you enjoy doing a
1: play? I did. Yeah. I mean, it's how can you not? Right. You know, you're a you're a um. You're you're a 10-year-old kid That You know I think there was Maybe a thousand Maybe more Maybe less uh, The audience Clapping and applauding And cheering You come out for your bow And they're having a blast How can you not feed off that? And then um, It was It was fun for me It gave me uh, A sense of Purpose Throughout the day Uh, Going on auditions And I I was booking constantly So I never had to deal With with the other side of it which is the rejection and I I had all the... All the perfect benefits of it when I was a kid. Now you were booking a lot of commercials. Yeah, doing commercials nonstop. I did like 160 commercials in the first two years or something like that. Now,
0: did you enjoy that? I mean, or was there any commercials you just like uh, because it was become a grind sometimes? I
1: mean, I'm 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 by then I was you know 10 11 something like that, and there's always some hot 10 11 year old girl, you know, and I'm not going I'm not going to school, so I'm not I'm not part of that, you know. So there was always some hot chick or some dude that had like the new. Band that showed me on a Walkman, uh, or the the new Game Boy game. Like I learned all of my, um, all of my social structure from the kids that I was working with on these sets. I I absolutely loved it.
0: So you're doing that, and then I know you got cast in Dutch. Right. Now, which is so funny, because I was thinking... And it's funny, and that was John Hughes. Yeah. And yeah. That, was, that was a really good movie, and all his movies were good, except I wasn't big on career opportunities. But...
1: Now, I grew up watching those. Those yeah, so were, you, like, you know, the Sixteen Candles. Oh yeah, At, they're, they're, by the time I did, when I did Dutch, it was all about Uncle Buck for me. Okay. Like, that was, I loved that movie so much.
0: Now, how did Dutch come up? Because you also did Defending Your Life, and that's with uh, right. Albert Brooks. Right. Which, you know, I mean, you, you're working with two brilliant guys i mean you know i mean uh, you're 12 13 or however you're and you're going from albert brooks to john hughes i mean as a kid you must just be like i mean i, I mean it's probably as a kid it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as impactful as an adult because right we're looking like, wow, back I'll on it books. now
1: yes exactly You sit there
0: and go well wow. but so you get the funding of life but then now how did the dutch come apart because that john everyone i mean john hughes that was a big ass movie there was a at, lot Ed o, of O'Neill was huge back yeah yeah he that was right was.
1: at the peak of right at the peak of married with right. children um uh, yeah, I I there was I think I went in 6 different times for that and they were doing a nationwide uh casting thing. I mean, it's just luck, man. It's it really is. Uh I was I was in the right mood at the right time at the right place, you know? Like everything just fell right. It. And um yeah, it's funny because Again, like saying, the kids that I was meeting when I was working were the ones that were showing me the music and the new technologies of the day because I still wasn't going to school. So I was out of the loop. We didn't even have a TV.
0: Right, see, that's what I always think about. I always thought that, too, about school, the homeschooling. is Academically, it's one thing, but the social impact is true because it's a matter of... You, if you're around, if you're not around other kids, you don't know. You what's don't going, know what's going on. You don't cool. know what kids are wearing. You know, I mean, right. and for you, you just saw the kids wearing the 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 uniform, the Raiders. So that's what you right. Could see. Right. You wouldn't see if there's a hold, and without a TV, you wouldn't see if there's Bugle Boy jeans. Oh, or, yeah. or you yeah. know, P, uh, Sergio Ocean Valente. Pacific. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, all that stuff.
1: So, so I was well aware of Body Glove because okay. I did go to Huntington Beach and okay. surf a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, are you a surfer? <laughs> I used to be. Okay. Not so much. you Yeah. No. I couldn't call myself a surfer right. so it's, but so it's horrible
0: so you're sitting there and you're with the kids you were saying you're with the kids and you were learning different stuff and so,
1: so yeah they, they they're the they're the ones that were teaching me all of my cultural um, knowledge at the time so for me I didn't even know the level of John Hughes or the level okay. of Ed O'Neill I because I was in this little bubble you know and I just I remember when I was doing when I, the first day of Dutch ed o'neill took me into his trailer and he you know it was it was lunchtime he took me in and he sat me down and he said look every everybody's going to treat you different and they're going to they're going to wait on you hand and foot and they're going to make you feel like you're important and i want you to understand that it's all a lie um you are no more important than the guy that pushes the dolly, than the guy that holds the microphone, than the guy that sets the light. This is a team effort. So as long as you understand that, you'll be all right. Ed O'Neill having that conversation with him was—that's—I look at him more like a father figure. Okay. You know, um, and uh, like it, instead of looking at them as these cultural icons, because I was oblivious to it. Right. I looked at Ed as a father figure and the director um, I looked at him as a father figure. you know it was Cause
0: you didn't know, you didn't know who they were I mean you didn't really know who they were which I is, just
1: knew them as my relationship right. with them
0: and so which was weird is okay when the question now and ask you is so you do this and you're not you know you don't know about the cultural stuff and you don't right. know and so and you don't know about how people you know who people watch John Hughes movies watch all of them right so now you're you're this kid Who's not you know is homeschooled? Who's not really culturally adept? Now all of a sudden you're in a movie, a very popular movie. How to? I mean, that must be weird for you. People reacting to you because one, you probably didn't go. You probably didn't have the know the magnitude of how the TV was impacting everyone. So what was that like for you?
1: Well, the the other on the the other thing that I think benefited me in particular a lot is because all the movies that I've done, almost every single one of them that I have quote unquote starred in um were not successful right off the bat dutch when it opened it was a horrible flop it failed okay and i would say in the past even in the past five ten years more people have seen that movie than they ever saw it when it first came out um empire records horrible flop and now it's become this like today um uh, April eighth is Rex Manning Day, and it's this huge, like nineties. If you, it's trending on fricking Twitter right now. And when it came out, nobody saw it. Absolutely nobody saw it.
0: That must be weird for like for the uh, with the Dutch, because it's so funny. My girlfriend's niece is a freshman at Monmouth University in New Jersey, and they have a John Hughes um, class. John. John Hughes, you know, it's a class okay. which is yeah,
1: studying his movies. It yep.
0: must be weird for you for Dutch because when it came out you were a kid and now it's got this popularity and now you have a beard and you look different. People probably don't even believe it's you when you sit there and go,
1: I, I, I was the kid from Dutch. Probably like, well, no, first of all, weren't. that's my favorite line when I'm throwing a tantrum when I'm throwing a quote-unquote fake tantrum on set, like if my burrito arrives and it's cold, um, my favorite line is to take said cold burrito and throw it down on the table in anger and say, damn it, I'm the kid from Dutch. <laughs> 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 Um, but yeah, I, I uh, that again, I think benefits me greatly because um, the stuff that I'm doing now, uh, there's a film that just came out. It's called uh, Cheap Thrills. Yeah, we were going to talk about that you know? eventually. Yeah, it's... I don't want people to connect me to my other characters.
0: See, that's good. But I think, and it's good because you, you do look different now with the beard and everything. And, and the thing is, you're, you've become a chameleon somewhat and I think you need to do that because it's a matter of you're not the 12 year old kid now is that one of the reasons why you changed your name because I know you were
1: no I the the name change came in my parents got divorced okay Um, and uh, I think that was probably I I wouldn't say that it it was a cause but it was definitely an effect of uh, me working and my mother dedicating a lot of time not only to me but to my brother and my sister um, that Um My dad couldn't take it He split Okay And uh So me changing my name It's actually returning It's It's a long drawn out story But it's returning to What my mother's maiden name Should have been Okay Her Her father was adopted And when he was adopted He took on What is my mother's maiden name But his true last name is Embry Okay um and the Embrys, we didn't have any brothers, we didn't have any there was nothing that came so when my dad split, I didn't want to see his name up there right. anymore.
0: Plus Ethan Embry's a much cooler name. It's it's, it's got a better sound. Ethan, I, if, I'd be lying if I didn't take that into account when I was Ethan, when I was sixteen. Just, I was
1: like, Yeah, Randall, not only does it make me wanna curl inside but you just sound Emory so
0: sounds so Hollywood and Randall you just sound so white you know it's it like Randall it, it's like Ethan it's, Randall it means hooker
1: be. or something like that in it's. French you know and yeah I uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to say it that uh, my father is not on my top list of people in my life So I didn't want to bear his name anymore. And that's where that came from.
0: Because it's it's changed. It changed a lot. So I'm looking at some of your movies, and you said Empire Records, and you're Mm -hmm. in White Squall, and The Thing You Do, in Vegas Vacation. That's a good run of four pretty good movies. Yeah. I got lucky. And you worked with some cool
1: people. I mean, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Jeff Bridges. God, Jeff Bridges is such a nice guy. That was in... Uh, on white squall. Yeah, no, how now how,
0: yeah. now how did, that, did that was that just because you had done Dutch because it's now you're, it seems like you're coming from comedy to that's more drama. So, did you were it's you comfortable? Dis- were yeah. you
1: comfortable changing from It's 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 always I I I read the script and I just approach each audition as that's its own thing. You know, I I I don't want to I don't want to be a comedic actor and I don't want to be a dramatic actor. I just want to work, man. You know,
0: See, it's funny when you talk about Vegas vacation, my good friend of mine was a video assist on that guy. Oh, he, yeah. His name is Lance Velasco. I have to tell him today because uh, he's working on taking three right now. And we, we I, I met him a few years ago, but we always I say I guess he goes, oh, you know, I work with that guy. And it's so fun. I say, hey, man, he, <laughs> he was in Vegas vacation.
1: I remember the um one of the funny stories on Vegas vacation. Um the, uh, what's the, on CSI, what's the showrunner, the original, the creator of CSI?
0: Um, um, uh, Bruckner? No,
1: no not Brock, It the, the original writer, I I can't, but I remember I met him for CSI New York. Okay. And he told me, he said, you know, when you guys were shooting Vegas Vacation, I was a valet attendant at the Mirage. And, um, one day I approached Chevy Chase with... The pilot for the original CSI and I wanted him to take a look at it and Chevy Chase's uh, response was yeah get in line buddy and it's that is now the most successful show oh, yeah. it's crazy it's I mean, the most successful f- and he was a valet attendant well, at the Mirage it's
0: amazing it's because uh, William Peterson was in it and he left and it's just they and the funny thing about CSI is and I just started watching it I mean my girlfriend has always watched it it's one of those things where they constantly change the cast like you know yeah. you for, but it's like they bring in heavy hitters like okay okay Lawrence Fishburne's leaving who are we going to get oh Ted Danson who, yep. everything mm-hmm. Ted Danson touches is yep. gold yep. and it doesn't and then oh we're going to get Elizabeth it doesn't jo, stop. and yep. it's just these people coming and it's amazing it's the new Dick Wolf yeah I can't remember what's that guy's name um, I'll, I'll, yeah we'll I'll figure it out right now though, because now you got me confused yeah So, but how is it working in Vegas that must have been a blast I mean because how, well, how, how old were you I was 17 years so you old really, you now, now okay here's a question because I always see like, I see stuff. Could, could you get into casinos? Were they letting you in? Because or did they, cause they said, oh, or did they say, oh, it's the kid from Dutch. He can't gamble.
1: I, I remember when we did the script read-through for that. You know, we had all the cast together, all the producers, um, the director, and we're, we're sitting around uh, a very large table in one of the massive convention halls in at the Mirage. And we're about to start, and this gentleman walks in, Um and I learn later that that gentleman was Steve Wynn, okay, who owns Vegas. <laughs> um, <laughs> he walks in, oh, and uh, Anthony Zucker, Anthony Zucker, okay, okay, Let's yeah, appear, okay. that's the guy, that's the CSI right. dude. So we're about to start doing the Vegas vacation read through, and in walks Steve Wynn, the um, owner of Las Vegas, and he does while he's talking, welcoming welcoming us to las vegas uh and slowly walking around this grand table he stops at me with his hand on my shoulder and he says how old are you and i said i'm seven before i could get out that teen he said 18 right and i said yes sir i'm 18 because i was only 17 right but to actually be legally in the part of the casinos because i think i turned 18 on the second to last day of filming um but Uh, the only place that I could gamble the whole time uh, while I was there was in the poker rooms. Okay. I'd go down to the poker room um, because I wasn't playing the casino's money. So for some reason, they... Did you
0: enjoy the gambling? or I mean, because I, I, being in a movie at Vegas at 21 must be a lot different than being in Vegas oh, at yeah. 17. Because at 21, and it's like anything, you know, and, and by then, you know, people know your face. They know your name. So, you know, if you're going to a nightclub, you'd be getting hooked up. I mean, if, if you were 21, I'm sure people were give me some drinks on the side, anyway, but I mean it must have been like, it just must be a difference because in Vegas, like the guys who were of age that owned that movie must have been living up the
1: high life man right, everything that they made they spent okay they anybody that was over twenty one left home left Las Vegas with less less money than they <laughs> had when they arrived but i it was the opposite for me instead of going around and having carte blanche everywhere uh there my picture was submitted. To most of the bars right. and casinos, and I mean, I would walk through it, and I would be told, "Mr. Embry, um, you have to." Like they would call me by name, right, to let me know <laughs> that I was being watched.
0: Like you, you can get a deal at Nathan's. You can get some You can get a hot dog over, right? There for Maybe
1: free. the the kiddie pool over exactly. at the MGM has a has a has a lounge chair with you. But the poker rooms they let me sit in for some reason. That's cool though, because it's not the casino's money. I was playing against other people right for some reason I could go to the poker room and no one would kick me out
0: so you're doing these movies and can not hardly wait now now I, I read I read an article. I always do my research and uh, now is it true that you smoke so much pot that you didn't you don't remember that movie because you're funny that's one of those movies also that I think I smoked so much
1: pot, I don't remember any of my movies. <laughs> no, seriously? I mean, yeah, no, I, did, did you always smoke pot? I, I used to, yeah. I. Uh, I like a, what time, what, how old oh, when you started? Because I, I,
0: I always talk about pot out here. Like, when I was in college, I went to college in New Jersey, and we smoked this pot that was just crap. We, right. It was Jersey, we, every once in a while. It like, smells like
1: Windex. Yeah,
0: almost. and some guy would get like, California. I remember a big thing when my freshman year, oh, we got California scents, and someone got Thai stick. And we're like, right. oh well, my tie God. Thai stick has opium on well, over see, it. East it was together. just different for us, but we were sitting there. But then I came out here, and, uh, and I went to a reggae reggae on the river a few years ago. And man, the pot... First it's of all, these different. people are sitting there, and, and you walk up, and they're selling brownies and, and goo balls and Rice Krispie Treats like a care package. And then you look at the pot and the pot it's fluorescent. is fluorescent. Yeah, it's like it's like a corsage. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a bud like us, said it was like yeah.
1: sticks. But no, how old were You, you can get school? ones with blue hair, purple yeah, hair, green hair, or orange hair, neon yellow. It's like it's it's insane.
0: Now, how did you act on the set without just cracking up the whole time cuz it's a kind of Well, look at my
1: earlier work. I mean, I was I was a, I was a lunatic. Right. You know? Um but the first time I smoked weed, um I was uh I was shooting in Africa. I was doing a Disney movie. Of that all must things. have been awesome, though. A
0: young, a kid from Highland. I mean, from Huntington Park, not yeah. Huntington Beach. All of a sudden, you're in Africa. I mean, yeah. that must have been awesome.
1: Unbelievable. And it's on their dime. It's not only on their dime, but it's with access that no one before me ever had. There was a part. There's a part of the the film. It's called Far Off Place, and it's a true story about these kids that flee poachers. And walk across the Kalahari Desert. It was a true story that happened back in the 40s. And it was me and Reese Witherspoon and a, a real Bushman. They they went to a, oh, cool. a Bush community and hired this this kid, Sorel Bach. And he was a real Bushman, didn't speak English. And there was a part of the film where, um, within the last act of it, we were walking through the red sand dunes of Namibia. We're almost to the coast. And um the place that we set up camp to shoot for four weeks, no person had ever gone to before. There was no history of someone else being there. They built a, um, an airstrip so that we could bring in our, how many people fit on that little plane? Maybe 15 to 20. Right. You know, they built an airstrip so that we could land and we set up a, um, like a, a compound you know, and lived in the middle, uh, I think we were 400 miles in all wow. directions from any source of electricity.
0: That's just, I mean, it's so crazy. We don't, we don't know how spoiled we are. We complain, you know, because the cable goes down or the Wi-Fi comes down. But you're
1: in the middle of nowhere. And if you get sick, you're screwed. And there's, there's these, the, the, um, the Sidewinders, you know, the right. snakes, most poisonous snakes in the whole world. They're all over the place. Um, and every night i can't even i cannot begin to describe the way the stars look when you're 400 miles from any any light source they they are just as thick overhead as they are on the horizon okay and it's so bright you can actually sit there and watch satellites blink across the sky it's un believable and I was 14 years old I'm out there in all of this nature there's a freaking Bushman Who's clicking and, and talking and he's becoming my best friend and he teaches me how to smoke weed. No, Come on, of clicking. course I'm gonna. Say,
0: Wait, what do
1: you mean, Clark
0: So how did you communicate with him? There, there was a translator. Okay, well, so there's a clicker translator. Yep. Like when, when you, but that must be weird when you spoke English. Would they click it back? And to then him? click it back
1: to him. That's and then cool. he click it and yep. And he slowly over the over the course of filming, he started to speak pretty good English. And when we wrapped. I, I bought him a plane ticket and I flew him out to Los Angeles and I took him to Disneyland for a week. What was that like for him? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I couldn't even imagine.
0: Because you come from, you're in the middle of nowhere yep. and then you come to the happiest place yep. on earth, which is probably, he probably was living at it where he was. It was, yeah, the it was like crack
1: place. on him. But it must know? have been crazy. So yeah. now, now, where
0: did he get the pot? Is it what to do? Did
1: he smoke? Oh, it's everywhere was it, down was there. It Bushman It's pot? absolutely every. I mean, it's freaking <laughs> Africa, for Christ's sakes. It's everywhere. <laughs> You know? So that's funny. That's that's so funny.
0: It's like you know you hear people like, Oh my uncle got me stoned. Oh, I got stone with a bushman. I got stoned with a bushman in the Kalahari
1: Desert. And he clicked don't, don't yeah. don't
0: don't bogard don't talk to your to mom. No, don't
1: bogar <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> like, the today, Which so, was translated Don't don't tell your mom. <laughs> that's funny. That's so funny. So, so you're sitting there
0: well no so when you by the time you got on Ken Hall, were you just you were smoking pot a lot?
1: Well, I was a, I was a complete pothead, man. From from that point, um how did you, didn't it affect your work? Well, uh, I mean. Because you look in that it, movie, I de- you're fine. I definitely think that it, it played a part of that, those kind of characters that I was doing, you know? Um, I, I could never impersonate myself doing Empire Records, Ethan, because, I'm, you know, I'm sober now. Right. And I think it definitely played a part of what kind of characters I was doing. But then again, White Squall. You know, I was smoking just as much weed during white squall, but I knew that was a drama. Right. So keep it straight, Embry, you know? Right. So um, so, with, with, uh, so any the, big pothead knows, man, you, you smoke enough weed, you're just, you're just smoking weed. Right. You're, you know, you're, you're smoking an eighth a day. You ain't really getting high anymore. I,
0: I had a friend like that who would, who would constantly smoke and I'd be like, I, I helped him move one time and he's like, as soon as we're in his truck and I go, dude, it's, it's eight in the morning. And he's like, oh, you know, and yeah, I'm dude. Like, and over the course of the day, it was amazing because I don't smoke. I mean, because one now I can't because I have right. uh, health problems, but I I, just, I couldn't I didn't smoke out here. I would try, it, but I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't right. handle this. It's insane now. But, and
1: it's there, it started to get that way with me too. I started getting paranoid. Yeah, you but know? For him, it's
0: just constantly. I'm like, I look at him. I go, dude how how are you gonna lift this? How are you even functioning? And he's just. He wouldn't I, function without did. it. Exactly. So after Can't Hardly Wait, that was a popular movie, though. So, so you, you were sort even of like, in theaters. That still wasn't popular. But when it started getting big, were you sort of you were like a heartthrob. You, you, you know how what was that like? I mean, because a lot of guys can't say I you know I was a heartthrob. I I, I, mean, I wouldn't even say that I
1: was. I, I girls wouldn't even, loved you. But I wouldn't even because it's it, back then the internet wasn't what it is now. You know, we certainly didn't have access to it in our pockets, right? Um, and So, again, that one took a while to to build up to the point where I was never getting I would never get the cast. I I would never get the jobs of being that, quote unquote, heartthrob because because the industry never saw me that way. And that's the only thing that I'm dealing with. I'm living in L.A. Okay, And the industry is not seeing me that way. So that's not the way that I'm seeing myself
0: now what's it like i mean because you 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 did star in the movies and you've worked consistently what is it like because you, you you know what is it like growing up in the business where you know it, it's where you i don't know i don't have to say reinvent yourself because i think with what you're saying you know you were going from drama to stuff like that is it odd like people sit there like like if you go in for something and you know now it's like you know if you, let's say even now if you go and there's a there's a punk ass casting director assistant right. who sits there and sees you like, oh, I remember like, oh, I Can't Hardly Wait. I mean, do you ever go through that? Like, people sit there and go, do they, they look at you different because you've grown, you've grown up in the business? Is it weird for you? Like, people sit there and they've seen you in all these different ages.
1: Um, they don't recognize me now. Okay. When I'm sitting in the, in the waiting room, um, I'll sign in, you walk in, and there's four or five other actors there. If, if the casting director actually knows what they're doing, you're the only actor there. <laughs> right. But most of the time, there's four or five or a dozen of them. You sign your name in and you sit down. And uh, uh, recently, I'm preparing to do another role that I start up next month. And the past four auditions that I've done, I'm, I'm sitting there and they come out and they, they look around and they, they make eye contact with all of us sitting in the room. And then they walk away. They look down the hall. They come back. They say, Ethan. And I say, yep. And they, they do not recognize me. Okay. So, in my opinion, mission accomplished.
0: Now, what made you grow the beard? Were you, were you always a beard guy? Did you always want to grow a beard? But when you were younger, you probably couldn't because of roles. I know you were on Dragnet, so you played a cop. So, you couldn't have a beard. I couldn't,
1: I couldn't grow a beard back then. Oh, I'm really? a late bloomer, man. I'm totally a late bloomer. Um, I just in the past... What am I? Thirty-five now. So yeah, maybe the past five years, uh, there's been these patchy places. But that it's a did good look. It's a, it's a good looking yeah, it's, beard. It's, it's freaking thick. Because like me, when yeah. I
0: when I grew a beard, it's like I, I was in the hot. When I was in the hospital, I didn't shave. and I didn't shave, and uh, for a while. And mine comes in like it's like blondish red here, then it's gray here, then right. it's gray down do you here. Get, do
1: you get patchy places or is it full? It comes in full, right. but
0: but it's. Uh, I try to keep it trimmed here, just right because, under the cheeks. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. always try to keep the neck up, just because it itches too much. Yeah, it yeah You got to shave in the neck, but, but yeah. yours comes in. Yours came in even. It's like you don't really. I mean, maybe it started off patches. How long has that been growing?
1: This thing has been growing for about two months, maybe okay. three, two or three months. It grows slow, but it grows in thick. You got to have a lot of patience.
0: Now, if someone says you got to shave it off to be in a movie, will you? Now? Oh yeah, immediately. Okay. And so,
1: that's why I do it in between jobs. I'll grow it because. It's a hell of a lot easier to shave than it is to, if they want a beard, I've got one. If they don't want a beard, that's an e- it's an am- easy. It, it's it's an immediate fix. Okay. Um I mean the next movie I'm doing, I got hair down to my shoulder blades and uh I think most of the beard is coming off. Oh. Um, yeah.
0: Well, the same, well you know you so you're acting in a movie. Now then you did Dragnet with Ed yeah, O'Neill. Yeah. Now
1: I loved working with him again. Funny story on that yeah, no, I just want to know, because
0: did he ask for you because he remembered you? No, check this out. That's that's so ironic that you guys worked together when he worked with you when you were this This young kid.
1: So uh, I got Dragnet. um, The way I got Dragnet, because Dick Wolf, he he wrote um, all of the Law and Order. Oh, yeah, all of them. You know, he's now doing the Chicago Fire. Huge television dude. I was looking him up. I've never been a fan of TV, so I did not know Law and Order. I didn't know him. And... What I saw was the Downhill Massacre, the um, the, uh, uh, the skateboarding movie okay. that he did with Tony Alva. Um, so I rode my skateboard to the audition. My skateboard was an Alva board. So when I walked in, I put it up against the wall and I said, Alva, you know, like, hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, right. uh, that's how I, you know. Anyway, got the job. Uh, the original Joe Friday was uh, Danny Houston. Okay. Um, fantastic actor um, compl- That would have been a completely different show And Danny Houston and I did one episode together Isn't Danny Houston a little younger than Ed O'Neill or no? He is a, li- he is a little younger okay. And um, the pace of he, he is absolutely brilliant And could not be a nicer man um, It was just a different show And um, we did one episode and then um, we shut down because they decided to look for a different Joe Friday. Some of these, sometimes, man, the way this town just, like, chews you up and spits you out. Um, luckily, they spit out Danny into a much prettier bucket, you know? Right. They they, they, they spit him into a, a gold, solid gold spittoon, and he has a beautiful career now. But I remember he had just had a kid. It was, a, it, you know?
0: Well, I've heard I've had guests on who said, you know, they go in one day and you're on this this series and then he didn't come back from lunch. Yeah. They say all of a sudden you find out and they never tell you. It's like some people say you find out because you read it or something or you see it online and it's amazing that they don't call you.
1: It's no it's absolutely brutal. Um, Yeah. The last day of the first episode, we broke for lunch. We came back from our one hour lunch and I was looking for Danny. And they called us all in and they said, Danny's not coming back. We're shutting down for two weeks to recast. So, right. So
0: it's so very so,
1: shocking. So then I'm sitting around and I'm wondering I'm next. Maybe right. they're just going to start all over. You know, I'm, I'm not going to survive then either. Then you have to
0: think if they bring someone new in and if there's no chemistry, they might get work? rid of you right. because they already got rid of the lead. And yep. if you sit there and go get rid of lead. So that must be sucking for you. Cause I'm horrified. And how
1: old are you at the time? Uh, 20s yeah yeah i was in my 20s i was was too young to play a detective i'll tell you that much my son was three so it was 2002 so i was 24
0: so yeah but so right then you're 24 and you're like oh god you know and that's such a young age where you're not really sure of stuff so you must
1: be going crazy and when i auditioned for that job i had forty dollars in my pocket okay forty dollars and it went from forty dollars to the promise of half a million dollars within the next five months and then Now that is being threatened as well, right? So it's just a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down, mostly down, sometimes up. Um, (laughs) But uh, then I heard through the grapevine that they were considering casting Ed. So I, I, I found a picture of Ed and I from the press kit of um, Dutch. From the press kit of Dutch, I took a picture of it. I emailed it to Dick Wolf. And I said, uh, I'm hearing uh, a little bird told me that you might be interested in an old friend of mine. And I said, uh, not only is he a great man, but uh, word has it, we've worked well together in the past. And um, that was what was great was I felt like Ed was a huge part of shaping who i am right i mean he 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 flipped burgers into his 30s he do he drove a dump truck he's a working man right you know he is the most normal
0: got drafted by the pittsburgh Steelers.
1: he's yeah i mean he's a dude you know he's a dude and he's he's not once one of these actor you know um and so working with him reminded me again to go back to that because i was starting to slip the other way um It reminded me to stay humble and stay grounded and it also i tried as hard as i could because it's a one-hour television that schedule was insane okay and i wanted to make it i wanted to try and relieve as much of the pressure off of ed as i could you know um uh yeah that guy is. Uh, well, it's
0: it's cool that you got to work together again. That's always great when yeah. you see someone later. So, anyway, so you do that, and how long? How long? How many seasons did DragNet last?
1: I just did one season. Okay. Um, and the uh, they asked me to come back for uh, like a reoccurring, and I said I, that's I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I only did one season with them.
0: So then you did the show Brotherhood. Yeah. Now that was on Showtime. Yeah. Okay. That must have been different because you're coming from network. Uh-huh. and and, and I, I'm a huge fan of HBO and Showtime series because yeah. they just kick ass I mean yeah. they're just and there's you, you can say I was watching Veep the other night and Veep is so damn funny and Julia Lee's Dreyfus is so great but if you put that on network TV oh, you it, would, it, it would lose about 40% yeah. of the funny yep. just because of the language so that yep. must have been sort of a freedom because you come from movies and you're doing TV you're doing network TV you're mm-hmm. network series yeah. and Seems like Showtime and all this, and that's one of that Showtime's earlier series, I
1: believe. It was one of their first. Yeah, yeah. so, the, and there's
0: that freedom. That must have been great as an actor because you don't have to worry about crap. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, well, if I say, if I slip and say the F word, they're not going to be like, that wasn't in the script. They'll say, well, you know what? We can use
1: that. Well, it was even beyond, even just beyond the dialogue, like what they. When you do it, when you do, when we did Brotherhood anyway, they left us alone completely. We we shot it on location out in Providence, so we never saw uh, the executives. Yeah, Providence. What Rhode was that Island. like? because you know, you're it was a California great, kid. It was you're great.
0: I grew up back east. What, what what months did they shoot it there?
1: Uh, it it varied. We never got we never had to sit through a full harsh winter. Okay, you're lucky. Yeah, we got lucky on that front. Um, so it I think the latest we went was late November one season. Um, so it never got full harsh winter. Thank God. But the great thing about doing that, they, they leave you alone. They they want they want the artistic side to come out. There's a certain amount of we have to do this for success of the show and whatnot and what have you. But girls, you know, the, the new HBO show right. Girls, that woman would never be hired as a sex symbol on network television.
0: She probably would have been, the show been picked up by network never, television.
1: Absolutely never, because they have blinders on. They have a cookie cutter stamp that they are so used to seeing, they're afraid to, to try out new things.
0: Well, that's what I, I like also about like AMC, because uh, their series, you know, with Mad Men and Breaking Bad, I always say what makes AMC cool is, you know, if you break down the characters like Don Draper on Mad uh-huh. Men, he's a dick. If you break down yeah, Walter, White, right, yeah. He's a narcissist. They're all assholes. But you love him. and they sit there and they say, "We want the anti-hero." And that's what the, these right. uh, these networks do. The, the aren't the regular people in, in mid America don't want to see you know Don Draper. They want to see you know Erkel. You know, but it, you know it's what? Weird. I think
1: I actually disagree, though. I think I it's just, changing now. I think I think it's always been that. They want to be able to identify, and we identify through struggle. We identify through our flaws. I've never met somebody and identified with the, the positive aspects of their personality. Right. Okay, that makes I've, sense. I've never heard someone tell me, oh, I'm having such a great day today. I've succeeded at this. I've succeeded at this, and felt akin to them. You, When someone says, is this is you know I just heard this news and I heard this news you say I've dealt with that before and you know exactly how they feel and you immediately identify with them we identify with each other through our struggles and not through our successes and I think honestly that's what people really want to see but let's face it network television is only there to sell advertising slots plain and simple and we live in a corporate world and some corporations do not want to associate their product stamp with, um, with certain uh, themes of these shows, you know? Right. Well, yeah. Um,
0: it's like, you know, and, and, but then until it becomes a hit. And then they go, until, oh, oh let's exactly. put this in there. Let's put, Oh, wait a second. Right. Oh, you're, you're, you're getting this, this market share. Oh, we'll put it in there.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. So what was it like did you like shooting brotherhood? Did you I loved it. I mean that that it was it's it's there's two pieces that I am really proud of my my work in particular and brotherhood um uh what made you so proud about that work? I uh, I wanted to do something completely completely different. I wanted to be unrecognizable. I wanted to um I wanted to come across like a man. It was my first adult role. And uh, I really think I succeeded at it. Um, uh, I mean, the it, you know, the first season, we won a Peabody, you know. Um, it Nobody has ever seen it. Nobody. Well, what happened to this series? I mean, it's,
0: like, it's so funny when people win awards. It's like uh, Men of a Certain Age was a very good show, and it won different critical awards. Mm-hmm. But no one watched it, it. It makes you sad because it's they're good show I mean if you want to pee it's good I mean what happened people, was it because people just
1: because Showtime wasn't as big back then or no they uh, in all honestly it was it was the same year that Dexter came out and okay. started and I believe it was the same year that Weeds or maybe Weeds had been on already for one season but those shows were very very easy to advertise alright you know you, it's very, very easy to tell you what Dexter is about. Well, how would you
0: explain what Brotherhood is about? That's the thing. I mean, if someone said, you just give me a, a sentence, what would, what would you say?
1: In my opinion, it's uh, it's about the gray area. It's it's not about the black and it's not about the white. It's about that, that part of all of us that's down the middle. Okay. Um, and how do you sell that on a poster right you can it's about crime it's about politics it's about family it's about drugs it's about um it's it's a lot of our day-to-day lives told in this story uh, that takes place in this tiny little community, and how do you how do you tell that story? Now,
0: was it sad when when you found out it was canceled? Cause, oh, I was crying
1: because you. I mean, it was a show. It, it's a,
0: a work that you're very proud of. Yeah, and so I mean,
1: well, and I, I knew I'd never be able to do it again.
0: And how did they tell you? Like, did they, did they at least did they call you or
1: was it? like... Oh no, of course not. Um, and they, uh, we when we when we were shooting, um, we did. I, I remember the last the last scene that I did of the last season. We didn't know whether we would be coming back okay. or not. We were just finishing out that episode. And I remember I was walking away from set bawling, you know. And the producer, Blake Masters, brilliant, brilliant writer, came up to me and he said, uh, don't, don't worry, we're going to be doing this again, you know. And besides, be proud of what you've done, but we'll be back. And I said, no, that was it. Right. That was the last thing I'm ever going to say as Declan Gigs. That's it. And I knew no one would ever give me the shot of doing something like him again. And, uh, or at least for a long time. Um, yeah, it was sad, man. It was really sad.
0: So then you get, no, when you said you, you're sober now. Yeah. When did you stop smoking pot? Because it's like, first of all, for me, it's so funny. I don't, when people say they're sober, and then they say, for me, I, it's, I'm one of those people. I never consider like if someone if someone drinks, okay, they become sober. But if someone still smokes pot, I still think that person's sober. I think it's yeah, just yeah, my, yeah, it's my thing about pot smoking. I've never, and I'm one of those people that I never, I never believe that pot's a gateway drug. I right. Yeah, believe me that, neither. That pot deters you. I mean, I don't have a problem. If, you know, I mean, some people go home and they'll have a drink at night. If someone goes, I know, I see people at happy hour all the time. they a few cocktails. If someone goes, someone smokes a joint. I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: And I, I, I completely agree. Um, I actually go one step further to say that anybody that does these things recrea- recreationally, I don't have a problem with it. Right. Any of these things.
0: Yeah, I, I agree that, too. I think as long as you're not hurting other people. Well, that's, yeah. That's if you're thing.
1: hurting yourself, you're inevitably going to be hurting other that, people. Yeah. So if you're, in my opinion, for me, what, my, what have, I, I'm an addict. I'm a full-blown addict. I okay. cannot smoke one joint and then wait a while to smoke the next. Okay. I cannot pace myself. If I smoke one joint, I'm smoking ten fifteen that day. Um so what made you decide I want I'm gonna give it up. Because it's everything for me it was everything. It wasn't just it wasn't just constantly smoking weed. I was constantly drinking. Um I was drinking, I enjoyed High-powered pharmaceutical opiates. I enjoyed black tar heroin. I enjoyed uh, Smoking weed constantly. I enjoyed um, Doing an eight ball of cocaine all by myself and it was a daily occurrence and I was killing myself and I was going insane and um uh, I'm a father and right. uh, well at least you recognize that yeah, and my, what what did my dad do? When he, when I was my son's age, he he took off. Right. He left. He left. So why would I ever? All my whole life, ever since being a father, all I've wanted to do was be better than my father. Okay. And if I killed myself or was not present because of drugs and alcohol, it'd be the same exact thing my dad okay. did.
0: Well, that's good you did that. Now, now, now you know, now you, you're you're sober now and now you know the movie i want to talk about the movie cheap thrills yeah. because uh i know not a movie,
1: sober kind of film yeah i, I know a guy who does <laughs> the guy who runs radio <laughs>
0: titans i think he contacted him, his name is Koslowski. kozlowski uh-huh. he did a review of it and he said he loved it and i heard it's very dark and i haven't seen it's it a, it's a
1: comedy but first of all you gotta go cast, into it keckner in it you have, it, uh-huh. you have yep. uh, yeah pat healy and right. david keckner and sarah paxton and it's a comedy and you watch it unfortunately this film plays so amazing with an audience and if if you guys are listening and you want to experience what honestly honestly is one of the greatest theater experiences that has come out in a very long time go to CheapThrillsMovie.com and you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the website past all that craft that they put on there and it lists the cities that it's playing in and even if if there's 15 people in that theater with you I guarantee you you will not have a better time in a theater it's every time I've seen this with an audience people are screaming they're throwing things at the screen they're laughing their asses off it's it's absolutely contagious
0: well what's the what's the uh, the plot I just I read it on IMDB and it just said uh, you make people do weird pranks well
1: it's okay the actual plot You know, uh, the get rid of the log line is David Koechner plays a man that is trying to give his wife, who is at least half his um, junior. Okay, she's got to be at least thirty years younger than David. He David Koechner is trying to give his beautiful young wife the best birthday ever. Okay, and she's a demented psychopath. All right, and. The only way that she can have any emotional reaction whatsoever is to watch people debase themselves deeper and deeper into a hole of non existent morality. Okay. <laughs> So that must be a great role to play. It was so good.
0: Now, how did that come about? Did, someone, did, you, did you read about it, or did, did someone say, you'd be perfect for this part,
1: or, did you have to audition? Or? The, the director of Cheap Thrills, who uh, his name's Evan Katz, and I guarantee you this man will be, a, will be around a long time. He will continue to work. Um, one of the best directors that I've worked with in a long time. Um, and uh, he, was, he, he was a fan of Brotherhood. And he also knew my previous work, so he knew I could do comedy, and he knew that I could be very physically imposing and violent and um, he sent me the script, and I immediately responded to it
0: Now where just shoot it at
1: shot it here in Los Angeles, which is another extreme rarity um, i know
0: it 's so weird there 's nothing here anymore
1: we uh We shot it on what is called a micro budget um which basically amounts to absolutely no money, and I mean it's right now. It's uh, so far. It is. It was one of the best reviewed films of last year because we were doing the festival circuit.
0: How did the festivals dig in it?
1: Oh, we won. Yeah, yeah, we won South by Southwest. Okay. Uh, we won a couple different festivals internationally and nationally. It was. It was on a lot of critics' top ten lists from last year because okay. they saw it at festivals so we were in we were put in the same company as wolf of wall street right. dallas buyers club um we shared a lot of we shared a lot of space with those great films and this year so far um it's it's in the top 10 uh, of the best-reviewed films.
0: Now, because you said it's crazy and people throw stuff, so let's just really get the crowd going. Do people, when they see you, they, that you it's probably one of the things where the people just, do people recognize you if they've seen it? Like, if you see someone who sees it, they go, hey, man, cheap, cheap... Uh, do they, do
1: it's, they? That's that's what's great, because I look... Right now, I look the way right. I look in the film. Because on I, the poster, I, you have the beard. Yeah, so. I got the beard, and I'm 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 bigger in the film. and uh, So right now, I do look like... That guy, but that guy is not the kind of guy that you want to approach on the street. Okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> but if you're in the movie, though, they, they know you're. But, they, they, act, but that's yeah. the thing is, when you when you see um, uh, 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 Andy Garcia or you see uh, Ray Liotta walking right. down the street, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna you're yeah. not oh, gonna yeah. go up to him yeah, and be like, exactly. Yo, what's up, Ray? Yeah. Right. I love you, Liotta. What's up? No, you're gonna give him you're going to give him a wide berth. Right. You know? So that's what's great is I might be getting, I'll get some funny looks and like, hey, man, cheap drills, all right. But then they quickly walk away.
0: Okay. <laughs> but it sounds good. So you like that movie. So now now what else do you have coming up? You said you have a, you have a few movies. I see you in a bunch of stuff in post-production and stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a I, my, my goal is basically in the next 10 years, I want to establish myself as the next Vincent Price. I want to become the modern day Vincent Price, uh, mixed with a little bit of Tom Hardy. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> it's a um, different. I've never heard yeah. it say I want to be the next Vincent Price, but you yeah, know. I, I just want to do genre, man. I love it. I absolutely because there is opportunities within those genres. All I want to do is trigger an emotional reaction in my audience. That's all I want to do. I want to make people cry. I want to make people laugh. I want to scare people. Um, I want an emotional reaction and in they call it genre the horrors and thrillers of of the world you have an opportunity to trigger so much emotional reaction in your audience you can scare them you can make them laugh um, you can make them cry Uh, it is the most reactive group of filmmaking and so i have I've been having a blast because so I see the stuff. titles
0: dweller bereave right uh
1: yeah. they're all the well, bereave bereave is a beautiful that one's um uh that's uh Malcolm McDowell and jane seymour okay um that one is it's that's a beautiful beautiful story uh is it vanessa shaw too i think yeah that's sure right yeah, Shaw. um yeah, that one's going to be great. But these are all independents. Right. So what's the one when you're growing your... What do you, what do you play
0: with if you have real long hair? What's that role you're playing in that?
1: Uh, there's a... I, I like to call it a love story. Um, it's, it's about a family that um, is the... It's, it's pretty much the coolest family you'll ever see in your life. Okay. Um, and uh, what happens when um, the rug is pulled out from underneath... The most beautiful family you've seen in a long time. And one, it, it's about kidnapping. Okay. And uh, it's, uh, yeah. Cool.
0: Well, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it was great. Thank talking you for having you. me, man. Um, no, no, Thank give, you very much. Now, how do people? I know you tweet and stuff like that. Give, yeah, give your yeah. info because I found uh, I found you on Twitter. Because I always say, Twitter, yeah, that's how you got Twitter's me? Right? Twitter's yeah. weird. Like Twitter's like I, I get some. I tweeted you a while ago, and and I know you guys get a lot of tweets. And then I tweeted you again, and you hit me back. It's weird like that. Sometimes you get tweets some back. Sometimes you don't. I get most of my
1: luck through Facebook and websites. But, right, right, right. But with Twitter, I've gotten been lucky sometimes. So what I do is I follow everybody back right. on Twitter. If you follow me, I follow you right. back. And then there's that direct message thing. Right. That that's And that if right. you so, want to reach yeah. out, yeah you want to reach out and contact me you can write me a little note what's your your Twitter Uh, it's at Embry Ethan it's the only it's the only Ethan Embry with the blue check so if you just look up Ethan Embry it's the guy that has the cool there's a lot of fake Ethan Yeah, I know I want to know that's crazy there's a nude one too which is pretty great check that one out while you're at it
0: I want to thank you for coming on thank you uh, for having me people follow him also people follow me at Cooper Talk also you know what? Send me an email. Tell me what you're thinking, what's going on in your life. Uh, cooper at Indie100.com. If you go to my website, coopertalk.net, I have about 245 episodes up. If you have a uh, Android device, go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk, one word, download the app. You'll see my little mug there wearing my hat as usual. Also, every Tuesday at the little dive bar called Jimmy's in Burbank on San Fernando Boulevard between Grismer and Amherst, I host crappy comedy. I bring a bunch, of like five or six of my good friends who do comedy. We come out. It's a free show. The staff is great. I have a piece of crap uh, sound system. It's just, it's crappy comedy, but everyone walks away. The crowds are great and people have fun. Also, iTunes and all that stuff, uh, Stitcher, type in one word, Cooper Talk. So Remember, follow me at Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, you got to drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, keep listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Time for me to get lunch.